Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Stay standing with me for just a little bit more. I want you to stay standing because before you leave today, I want God to pierce some hearts. I want some people walking out of here today invigorated. I said to the church this morning at 9 o'clock, I said, how many of you before you knew God knew the direction that you were heading? Where were we going before we know Jesus Christ? We were heading for a doomed, fiery hell because we didn't know who he was. And if that's not enough to excite you this morning, get you fired up to be in the house of God, to feel his presence, then something ain't right. And so I might push you just a little bit today. See, the Bible says that in the last days, he's going to pour out his spirit on all men. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. There's going to be some dreaming going on. There's going to be some ideas that are coming. There's going to be some fire that's built in the church. And the time is now. The church has been a little bit sleepy. We've been just a little bit comfortable. But God's pushing you right now. Come on now. Let's get some juice flowing. I don't want to make you stand up all day. Yes, come on. We serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are the church of the living God. Come on, you got to understand that now. I said eternity is a long, long time. I won't go back into my explanation of that. You have to come to the nine o'clock to hear those things. It's a long, long time. And we were headed there because we didn't know Jesus. And all it took was to come and to gather together, to learn who he is, to lift up his name and worship, receive his spirit. And we did a 180. We're in the right direction. But he's calling us. It's not just done stop there. He's calling us. Our time to be a part of something great or greater is now. And I'm going to preach to you today something greater. Something greater. Everybody, you can be seated this morning. Everybody wants to be a part of something greater. Something great. They want to be tied to, connected with. They want to have purpose. They want to belong to something great. Something that's moving forward, something that's accomplishing missions, something that's getting something done, something that's creating a positive effect. Everybody wants to be a part of something greater. And when something is getting greater, then their participation raises up. You know, we can do anything we want. We're the church of the living God. We don't have, there's no rules and restrictions yet. They haven't shut us down yet. We can do what we want. We can sit here and be comfortable. You can listen to me all day long. On Sunday, go home and eat your lunch and be okay. Or we can be a part of something greater. I want to tell you, I'm, I'm very thankful for Brother Michael and the group that presented today. I had no idea. You know, one year, yeah. It was a little bumpy, I got to say. No one prepared me for that. There's no manual on that except, well, the black one that we have. But it, it has been challenging. But I, I want you to understand that through all of that, through COVID and all this crisis and everything that comes along with this transition process. You have to know that it's a tremendous, it is a privilege and an honor for my wife and I to serve as your pastors, to serve in the kingdom of God. Each and every one of you precious, wonderful people people that I've engaged with, I'm personally connected with, my friends, you're my brothers and my sisters. What an honor. I don't care about COVID, forget that. I am Jesus Christ. Forget about civil unrest and all the stuff going on here. We've got Jesus. 
And I know where I'm going. And I'm working hard to get there. But we didn't just get through all this stuff because your pastor hung in there, barely made it through. We got through this because we serve an awesome, mighty God who brought us through together. Amen. We got through this because we're a wonderful family that loves one another, appreciates and embraces one another. I've had interactions with all of you. I'm looking across the room, every single one in this room just about. That's why we got through this. What a privilege and an honor to serve, and I'm so very thankful, and I know if my wife were here, she's back with her class. She'd be nodding. She knows. You guys got us through. You got us through, in Jesus' name. But I want you to know this morning that the church is rising. And it's going to continue to rise. I said this morning, the Bible says that we're not to serve God and mammon. And we need to understand that politics and all of this stuff that can absorb our time and take our passions and get us all invested, that's just mammon. We've got to be careful. We've got to do our civic duty. We've got to stand up for our country. We've got to pre- present uh, good principles and good things and share the word of God. But we've got to rise above all of this mammon stuff and this political stuff and realize that we've got a purpose. The church has a purpose that's specific. It's defined and has nothing to do with this mess that's going on in our country right now. It has everything to do with reaching out and seeking to save that which is lost. And if we rise above all that, we won't get absorbed in it. We won't worry, have our fears and all those things that creep in on us and the stuff that the enemy wants us to be all tangled up in. We can rise up above that, stand on top of it, get a hold of our Lord and Savior and get to the work that he's got for us to do. In Jesus' name. The church is going to continue to rise. We're going to prevail. We've got to stay close to the church. When the enemy is trying to destroy you, it's your connection to the church, the body of Christ that will get you through. We've got to get connected back to the church. And I talked this morning about connection, didn't I? You see, it's not just the building. It's not just something to do, but we've got to get connected back to the church. If there's people out there that are watching this service out of convenience and don't need to stay home because they're dealing with health issues and it's a matter of convenience, you need to get back to church. We need to get back to the body. The thing that brought us through this thing together this year was the connection to the church. It's going to be the church that pulls you through the times when the enemy's trying to take you down. Right? Come on now. Thank you, Lord. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the body of Jesus Christ. We weren't meant to be flailing all over the place on our own. We weren't meant to be home churching. We were meant to gather together, not forsaking ourselves, getting together and bonding and worship together. That's where the miracles happen. That's where the good things happen. That's where we pull one another out of the mire and out of the challenges. We got to get connected back to the church because there's something greater that God's got for us to do and it's not going to happen on an individual basis. Come on now. We got to get connected to the church. We need some moms and dads. They're going to stand up and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to get the family together. And I don't care if they got a nap under the pews. I don't care if they got to go in the nursery. I don't care if pastor goes a little bit longer, but we're going to get ourselves connected to the church. We're going to get a hold of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we're going to get after the work that he's got for us to do, because we're going to teach our young people that that's where you got to be. You got to be connected to the church. Because God's got something greater for us to do. In Jesus' name. Jeff Arnold is often quoted, many of you know Jeff Arnold, he's often quoted as saying, it's not what heaven is, but it's who's there that makes heaven heaven. And the one who's on the throne is still in charge and always will be. 
See, we're all in this to get to heaven, right? That's our end goal. We want to come to church, but I'm going to tell you what, it ain't going to happen by just tabbing in once a week, punching our clock and heading out. And that's our only involvement. We got to be connected to the church. We got to be connected to the body. This is where the direction happens. This is where the missions are sent out from. This is where the goals are created and the unity is created so that we can achieve things together in power and in might that comes from him. We can't be so focused on getting to heaven and forget who's there because it's he that makes heaven great. It's he that makes heaven's the goal. So let me tell you what, do you find the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords equally? Come on now, someone raise your hand if you can say yes to this because I'm moving in with you. Can you find what God does, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, what he does and what it is accomplished here when the body gathers together and lifts up their worship and shares the word of God and the fellowship of the kingdom? Can you achieve that in your living room at your house? Anybody? Okay, I'm moving in with you guys. You understand what I'm saying? It's time that we get a hold of this idea that there's something greater for us to do than to to, to just be a part of this application that we come in every Sunday or Wednesday and, and we enjoy that. And that's all good. And we've achieved some phenomenal things. We've survived the COVID crisis. I'm getting a patch or a hat or something. I survived. I lived through it. I made it through quarantine. But I'm back. And the church is back, and it's going to continue to rise. It's time that we stop worrying about what men and governments and movements are doing. It's time that we stop distracting ourselves with Babylon. It's time that we stop looking at their porthole to hell and worrying about what's happening on CNN and get a hold of the Word of God and the mission that he's got for us to do. Because I want to tell you what, there is no greater pleasure, there is no greater joy than to serve in the kingdom of God and do what he's called you to do. You know why I made it through this last year? As a rookie pastor, I did it because God was there with me every single day, carrying me through. Not CNN, not Fox News, not YouTube, none of that stuff. God got a hold of me and said, here's your chance, brother. Now get a hold of the word of God. Get deeper into your prayer. Start doing some things that are meaningful. And then all of a sudden, those gears just started turning. Okay, when we get back, the church is going to get on. Okay, some of y'all are going to want to stay at the station you're going to want to sit on the bench. You remember that little wooden bench they have right outside the ticket window? Some of you are going to want to stay there. But I'm telling you, the train is leaving. And if there was anybody that wanted to take a hold of the train and grip it for dear life and hold it from leaving the station, well, you better get ready to have no hands. Because the train is leaving the station. God has got something greater for the church to do, and he's calling us to it right now. Amen? I want to take you to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29. I'm reading the ESV version. Jeremiah, chapter 29 and 11, simply says this. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. And I want to tell you, it doesn't entail standing dormant, waiting to see who else steps up, looking as a spectator. Church is not a spectator sport. We're not going to sit by the sidelines and watch the rest of the team play. We're going to get a hold of what God's got for us, and we're going to get to doing something greater. It's, on, it's a promise. I'm getting there now. Come on, hold on. 
Isaiah 61 and 1, Jesus quotes this later. I'm going to share it with you in Luke. But he says in Isaiah 61 and 1, the spirit of the Lord is, of God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. This is you. You have that ability. Do you know that by sharing the word of God, sharing your testimony, getting into something with somebody and just giving a little bit something to them. You're going to heal some broken hearts. People are going to say, this is what I've been hungry for. This is what I've needed this whole time. My life's a mess. They live in fear. They live with all this mess that's going around because they're plugged in 24-7 to all this mess that's going on out there. You know, it's no, it's no accident that the prince and the power of the air has designed it so that every single home, every home has multiple television sets in it. It has all the cell phones and all the video stuff pouring through there. Now they're pushing us to go to 5G because somehow they're going to be able to read our biorhythms through something that they're going to do with our bodies. Okay, you know what? That's the enemy's work. But people are plugged into that stuff 24-7 and it's literally eating their souls. It's tearing them down. It's giving them no hope. This is a future and a hope, Isaiah says. You can proclaim liberty to the captives. You can let people know that the prison that you're in right now, I've got the key and I can get through the door. We talked about some ways this morning that you can do exactly that. Our Strong Tower Ministries are going to be a method that you can begin to do exactly what Isaiah was talking about. Proclaim liberty to the captives. Open the prison where they're bound. You know the answer because you were there. You see, it's your word and your testimony, your experience in the kingdom of God all these years that you, you've enjoyed these benefits and these bounties and all the things that come with serving God. You've enjoyed those things and you should and that's great, but see, that's your power. That's how you're going to do something greater because it's that tool, it's that testimony, it's that experience that you can turn around and say, listen, I've got the key right here. I was there. I was on the other side of these bars that you're in. I can let you out. That's what Isaiah was talking about. Look at John chapter one. We're going to start at verse 43. This is the experience, the calling of Philip, the disciple Philip. John 1 and 43, it says this. It says, the day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and he findeth Philip and saith unto him, follow me. You know, 2,000 years ago, it was that simple. Jesus walked up to these guys and said, follow me. Drop your nets, drop your stuff, follow me. And they went, okay. Nowadays, we need a graved invitation and we need a pleading and we have 76 Bible study lessons and we got to prove out, you know, well, does this translation work? And well, back in the day, I did, you see what I'm saying? We've piled up so much stuff on top of who and what we are and our defiance of, of wanting to turn ourselves over to God. We've got this whole thing manufactured and that's what people are suffering from right now. Back in that day, he said, follow me, and they did. He said, follow me. Now, Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So they know, see, they know the word of God. They know what wrote, Moses wrote and they knew what was coming. And verse 46 says, and Nathanael said unto him, can there anything good come out of Nazareth? He's got an attitude. He's being racist. Philip saith unto him, come and see. Now in 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and he said of, saith of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. 
Now, I think he was being just a little sarcastic there. But he knew he was an Israelite because he was probably walking with a little bit of a snark and a little bit of an attitude. I know who you are. I know what Moses said. But he said he had no guile. He had, he had nothing with him. And Nathanael said, verse 48, Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? How do you know me? You don't know me. What are you talking about? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Whoa. That was way, way before. I wasn't even near you when that happened. You know that whole thing about praying under the fig tree? That signifies it was a very common thing to gather, read, and study under the fig tree. That was, it was known at that time that when people said they were under the fig tree, that's what they were doing. They were, they were reading, they were studying, they were praying. It was a common thing. And Jesus said, when you were over there praying and, and, and studying, I saw you. And Nathanael knew that wasn't possible unless he was who he said he was. Verse 49, Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. Hello, Revelation. Come on now, did you have that light bulb moment? Have you had that yet? Is it sinking in? The power that's within you? What you have inside you? Have you had that Nathaniel moment where you went, holy cow, you are the king. You really are God. You can really use me. I can actually be used to the kingdom. God, words just started coming. This guy came and asked me a question about my church. And all of a sudden, I just felt some kind of warm, fuzzy feeling. And pretty soon, I was just repeating words I didn't even remember that I knew. Come on now, Nathaniel was experiencing this revelation of who he was. Verse 50, Jesus answered and said unto him, because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Just because of that? In other words, not for everything else of what I've said and what these guys have told you about me. But listen to what he says after he asked him, that's why you believe? He says, thou shall see greater things than these. Jesus was setting him up. If you come and join me, you're going to see way greater than this little deal where I figured out who you were and I saw who you were. 51, and he saith unto him, verily, verily, I say unto you hereafter, ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending, where? Upon the Son of Man. See, he was referencing back to Genesis chapter 28, Jacob's ladder, when it was revealed to Jacob that the angels were descending and ascending from heaven. But Jesus was saying, I'm the ladder. I'm the one. I'm connecting God and man. I'm connecting this massive gap, this divide between this cruddy world that we live in and the King of kings and the Lord of lords and that heaven promise that we have before us. Do you understand? It's not anything that the world has to offer you. It's not entertainment. It's not your job. It's not any of those things. But you serve the ladder, the one that builds and, and breaks the gap between heaven and earth. You've got it. These are the greater things that you're going to realize. We're going to be part of something even greater than that. If you, if you get on board. If you get on board. John chapter 14, starting at verse 12. I'm going to skip a little bit here, but I'll guide you through. John chapter 14, verse 12 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also. That's incredible. We know the works that he did. We know the things that he was able to do. He brought people back from the dead. Well, how do we do that, Pastor? I don't know. If, are, we, are you talking about resurrecting people right here on the platform? Maybe. 
But maybe consider this. That soul that you're talking to, that person that you're dealing with, they're addicted to drugs or alcohol or some other destructive thing. They're on their way. They're the walking dead. You understand? They're dead already. If they don't get a hold of God, if they don't get a relationship established with God, they are dead. And when you share your testimony and you get that word inside their heart and something begins to revive in them and you bring them down to this church and they fall down at this altar and repent of their sins, filled with the Holy Ghost, you've just resurrected that person. Woo! you got to realize that's what we're talking about here. You've brought that person back from the dead. See, people get wrapped up in all that stuff. Whoa, what Jesus stuff is raising people from the dead and all this kind of stuff. I'll tell you what. I know some people that were dead. Dead men walking. Life a mess. Tore up. But found a place at an altar with a living God that was willing to say, I love you and I forgive you and brought them back to life. That's what we're talking about. The works that I shall do, that I do, you shall do also. But then, here it is. And greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be greater than Jesus. So get that thought out of your head. It's not talking about greater in terms of quality. It's talking about greater in terms of magnitude. The sheer numbers. Jesus, while he was on earth, was one man. He could only cover so much territory. That's why he gave it to 12 disciples to say, carry it a little bit further. Carry it past Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. Take it to the other parts of the world. What's our great commission? Go ye into all the world, preaching the gospel to every creature, right? Greater works, greater works. We're gonna see things you could possibly, couldn't possibly imagine at this point. Oh, we've lived it a long time. One soul here, one soul there. Hey, that person got filled with the Holy Ghost. We baptize him the next week. We celebrate. We love God. We love seeing someone find Jesus Christ. But I want you to get some vision in your head now. I want you to start thinking about this, really. This is God we're talking about through you. Imagine 20, 30, 40 of them standing up here all together, praying in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost one after another. Do you believe it? These are the greater things. Something greater is coming. Started in Acts, beginning of the church. It wasn't 30 or 40 or 50, it was 3,000. 3,000 souls. And shortly after that, it was another 5,000. And from there into today, millions, millions. You see, greater in magnitude. And we can continue that forward, and we will. Look how he continues in verse 13. He says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. And the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. What a tremendous promise. Well, Pastor, I've asked God things, and it didn't happen. Okay. Not your will, but his be done. Oh, that's an easy answer. It is the answer. But you just keep on asking. You just keep on doing. You just keep after the, the, the show. Keep after doing what you're doing. I prayed for people at the altar for years. I, it was just something that I was taught to do. But I want to tell you, it wasn't until my later adult life, through continuous prayer, God used me. I want to be used powerfully in this ministry. That finally one day, I was standing here at this altar, walking across, and I saw souls standing up here. And I said, God, use me today. And he spoke to me. And he said, go to that person. I'm going to fill them with the Holy Ghost. 
knowing and being taught to be obedient, I ran to that situation and I walked up to that person and I said, God just spoke to me and said, if you'll pray and you believe it, he'll fill you with the Holy Ghost right now. Do you believe it? And that person said, yeah, every, I've never had somebody say no. But I want to tell you something, every single time, every single time he spoke to me and sent me, I went and he did it. He filled him with the Holy Ghost. Now it's not even a question in my mind, never even, not even a thought. I don't hesitate, don't worry about it. I have complete confidence in that because God has fulfilled his word again and again and again. You gotta get there and you can get there. I wanna tell you, it's joy unspeakable. I can die tomorrow completely fulfilled because God has used me to pray with precious, innocent souls that needed his spirit and he fulfilled it. The greatest joy of my life in serving the kingdom. And I can die tomorrow. If he did it, he can keep doing it. Certainly with this promise, he will, if we ask it in his name. So Jesus continues in verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. How many people believe that it's just the 10 found in, in the Old Testament? Oh, no. There's lots and lots of commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Now listen to that word. Keep that, keep toned in on that word now. Another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth. So he just he identified the comforter as the spirit of truth. What are people seeking more in this life right now? Oh, pure truth. They desperately want pure truth. You can't turn on any television station, pick up a newspaper anywhere, and get any semblance of anything that you can trust as pure truth. Right? We know it. We've seen it. They twist it and turn it and say all these crazy things. I saw a picture on Facebook the other day, and it was a picture of a snake holding a fish at the edge of a pond. In the caption, they said, if this was under the current media standards, the caption would say, heroic snake saves fish from drowning. That's what we're living in today. But see, we have the spirit of truth. People desperately desire that. They want that. I just want the truth. I want to know. I want to know. It's built within us to seek that truth. Do you know that every civilized, uh, 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 excuse me, every civilization in the history of mankind that has a recorded history, every single civilization that they've ever excavated or done archaeology on, all that kind of stuff, every single one of them, they found a component where that society was seeking a higher being. They praised and they worshipped something. Why? Because they were seeking ultimate truth. Every society sought God in some way. Even the spirit of truth, as he identifies the comforter, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth within you and shall be in you. What does the Bible say about who's going to see God? He's going to see him through us. Without holiness, no man can see God. Without that spirit of truth, without our living for God in a holy way, people aren't going to see him. They're going to see him through you. They come something different about you. What is it about you? What is it about you church people? It's the spirit of truth inside you that's attracting them. They want to know. Listen to Jesus' words in verse 18. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. Okay, he uses that word again. Now, the word in both of those scriptures, by the way, is not comfort like, oh, you poor person, you know, and... And, you know, petting you and making you feel better. Comforting is strengthen. That's the word. He said, I will not leave you comfortless or without strength, but look at the promise. I will come to you. 
He's the comforter. He's the spirit of truth. He identifies himself right there. So jump down to verse 26 with me where it says, but the comforter, which is what? The Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Comforter, again, translates as strengthen. Goes on in the verse to say, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. In other words, He's not sending you out into this greater work without any, any, any tools, without any abilities, without any skills. He said, I'm going to bring it to your remembrance. I'm going to help you through the process. I'm going to teach you these things, and then I'm going to bring them back into your memory. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, because the world's peace is garbage. I give unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. See, far too many people are seeking peace and comfort and respite and the answers that the world is giving, but it's superfluous, it's, it's, it's fleeting, it's worthless. But if they see a peace in you, if they see that sort of steady, settled, strong Christian, there's something different about you. There's something in there that's within, within inside you, and I want that. That's the power that he's promising so what are some of the greater things? Look at Luke 4 and 18. Luke 4 and 18, he says, Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is where he quotes Isaiah 61 and 1. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to what? Preach the gospel to the poor. Now he's, he's changing the words a little bit. He's modernizing them to the time that he's in. He says, you can preach the gospel to the poor. Does that mean people that don't have any money? No, it means people whose bank account is lacking a Holy Ghost. It means people that are poor in spirit or poor lacking God in their lives. He says, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. We talked about that. Preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind. Oh, there's another one of those weird miracles, Pastor. This is like that resurrection thing. Let me tell you what, there's plenty of people walking around with 20-20 vision and they're blind as a bat. You understand what I'm saying? See, they don't see. He just said it in there before. They're not going to see it. But how will they see it lest it be through you? And to set at liberty them that are bruised. That translates as captive or hurt. Oh my goodness, are we surrounded by people suffering from hurt. Reach out. Love them. Show them God. Let them see the God inside you. Essentially, we have the power to minister to the needs of the lost. Matthew 20 and 26 tells us, whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. If we're gonna go on to do greater things, that means you gotta be a minister, according to Jesus' words. If you're gonna be great, you're gonna be a minister. Matthew 20 and 26. Acts chapter six and eight tells us that Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. That word power is the same power that describes the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It was through the Holy Ghost that he was able to accomplish that, those great things, those greater things that we're gonna see. It's the power that comes from the Holy Ghost to do something great. Do you wanna be part of something greater? Or are you just satisfied with status quo? You know, status quo doesn't ever last. It declines. It wanes. Right. Gets stale. Remember Acts 1 and 8, scripture we quote often. It says, but you will see power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is Jesus speaking, of course, to the disciples, one of the last times that he spoke to them. 
So I'm going to give you power, not power to just live, not power to survive or make it to church every Sunday, not power to just get through the challenges and struggles of life, but power to do what? To be witnesses in Jerusalem. That's his core city. That's where they came from. Then there's Judea. That's the area around Jerusalem. It's that centered area. And then Samaria, which is that area outside of that. And then he says, and to the ends of the earth. He started with the inner circle and went out just a little further and a little further and to the ends of the earth. Have you started with your inner circle yet? Have you reached Judea yet? Mom, dad, brother, sister, uncle, work on Judea. Well, Judea, I've been working on that for years. Okay, move on into Samaria then. Come on. Well, I talked to my neighbor. I talked to my coworker. They won't come. They won't do it. They won't do anything. Have you given up? Have you prayed about it? Did you really seek God? Did you fast for them? Did you get a hold of this thing? Do you want to be something great? Do you want to be a mediocre salesperson that makes a little bit? Or do you want to be an awesome salesperson that makes the President's Club trip all the way to the kingdom? Well, Samaria didn't work out for me. I, I just, no one wants to talk to me. Okay, now it's time to get out and move to the ends of the earth. What can you do beyond that circle? Do you understand? That's what he meant by all of that. You've got many circles. You just got to broaden the scope just a little bit. And that's what we're going to be doing through our process this morning. I talked about our Strong Tower Ministries. See, we're getting out of Judea. We're getting out of Samaria. And we're getting into the ends of the earth. Hopefully Lake Country and Economwalk and Dousman and Delafield and so on. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 tells us that God gave us a spirit of power and love and mental strength. That's how, that, that's how that translates in there, mental strength, the ability to hold on, to stay focused, and to succeed. In Luke 10 and 19, Jesus gives his disciples authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Why serpents and scorpions? See, those are representative of the power of the enemy. They represent the works and, and the uh, tools of Satan. Serpents and scorpions are always directly related to the enemy. So he's saying, I'm giving you power over the methods of the enemy and the tools of the enemy. And none of that stuff is going to hurt you. Well, rejection hurts. Right? Sister Brown, we were talking about that the other day. Rejection is tough. It's tough to deal with. But Paul told us to yield ourselves, continuously yield ourselves to the work and basically what he means is, is if you yield once, rejection hurts. Real twice, it hurts again. Well, it's embarrassing, blah, blah, blah. You keep yielding yourself pretty soon, you're not going to care about rejection. Because any salesman worth their salt, if they can't stand rejection, they fail. The whole key to being a great salesman is first overcoming the hate of rejection. But he gave you the power in Luke 10 and 19. Scorpions and serpents are not going to come against you. We have total power over them to accomplish his work. We have the power to be part of something greater. You can stand with me this morning. This is a mindset that we should have every single day. Wake up in the morning, I encourage you. God, what can I do for you today? What can I do greater than yesterday? Status quo, mediocre, same as yesterday, same tomorrow. It's not acceptable for me anymore. I want to step up. I want to be used to the kingdom. We've talked about it before. We don't know how much time there is left. And we're certainly not granted tomorrow. So I want to challenge my awesome church today. Every one of you have a testimony. Every one of you have a love for God. Every one of you knows somebody that's behind one of those prison doors that's dealing with one of those issues. And all you got to do is speak. Take the step. Jesus' name. Lord, we're so thankful, God, again, for your word. We're thankful, Lord, for the mission that you've called us to. 
Not only is it a privilege and an honor, God, to be called to service in your kingdom, but Lord, it's a great blessing and it brings joy, it brings energy, it brings happiness and we know that you're behind it, Lord God, that you support us, that you cover us, you give us power over the enemy, Lord God. We have every single... Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.